0: Tell you what, I I wanted to acknowledge the church here and all that you've done. My goodness, being a a senior pastor, I know how hard people work sometimes to make things uh, happen. And I just want to say thank you for all the worship team, uh, those who serve, the cooks, everybody. My goodness, my hat's off to you tonight. Just wanted to say thank you. You know, one of the first things I noticed when we pulled up a couple of days ago was the smiling faces. Yeah, I noticed that right off, and I I told Melissa, I said, these are happy people right here. I said, they smiled at you and and greeted you, and that makes you feel very, very comfortable and and loved. Um, I want to thank Brother Mason Ely and his precious wife for the vision that they have for Barnabas Ministry And um, I thank God that he's allowed us to line up with them and to be a part of who they are. And um, I I told him, I think maybe yesterday, I said, I'm all in, man. I'm I'm all in. Everything that we are and everything that we have, it's available. And and, uh, I thank God that he joins us to the right people. I said this last night. I believe that we're in the right place with the right people at the right time. And if we don't care who gets the credit, it's no telling what God can do. So, I just want us to do that tonight. So, let me give you my disclaimer. Uh, I I have a a word that I feel is a challenging word for the church. Not just this church, but for His church. Uh, Whatever part of the body of Christ that you fit into, I believe we can try this on for size tonight. Uh, I'm going to use a a portion of Scripture. And, um, you know, Jesus taught sometimes in parables and then he also used another method of teaching the like as method of teaching he would say you know the enemy's like as a roaring lion i, w- I want to borrow that idea tonight and and pray that i do the scripture no harm i i don't it's not my i'm not trying to it's just something that come to me and and i want to share it i believe it's relevant for today and um I want to go back to the story of the little woman with the issue of blood. Uh, most of the time, we all preach about the pressing in, we preach about the great faith, we preach about uh, how she was persistent, we preach about, you know, uh, a number of things that Jesus was caught up in. But tonight, I want to go somewhere else with that. And again, again, I want to teach this, preach this, present this. Kinda as a like as uh, uh, a metaphor, if you will, that and Jesus used those types of settings all the time. He, he it wasn't anything different or strange to him. So I'm gonna ask you a question: How many of you brought your Bible tonight? Hold it up. And let me see it. I want you to look down the row, and if there's somebody there without one, ask them what's up with that. What's what's up with that? Uh, yeah, you need your Bible. You need your Bible. Um, I've got a new King James version right here. I asked the team if they would put it up in the King James version because I like the way uh, the King James reads in some of these areas. It's a little harder to understand sometimes because of the words that they use. But I I believe in in this particular case, it, it best represents what Jesus was saying, what was going on, and that sort of thing. So if you don't mind, I have two things I'd like to do. Uh, I'd like to pray for my uh, son-in-law's son uh, by a previous marriage. He's married to our oldest daughter, Amanda. And uh, he is a detective, in a young man. He's 34 years old, something. He's in his mid-30s. And uh, just been healthy and fine. And a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, he noticed uh, some twinges going on in his hands and whatnot, to make a long story short. They actually did surgery on him today, exploratory surgery, and he has cancer in his spine. And so, uh, be careful what I say. Um, He needs Jesus, and he needs to experience life And in doing so, I believe God can bring healing to His body. So would y'all join with me right now? His name is Stephen, Stephen Erdy. So if you don't mind, if you wouldn't mind, stand with me. And I want us to call out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is able, first of all, for salvation in His soul. That that be secured forever in the book's the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, if you use this situation to bring Him to the kingdom, Lord God, I pray that a spirit of the loving Jesus will go to Him by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let Him feel Your presence on His body. Let Him also experience the, the heartfelt conviction in His heart And Father, we give him to you right now, in Jesus' name. Do for him what he cannot do for himself. Do for him what doctors cannot do for him. And Father, we will give you the praise, we will give you the glory, and everybody agreed by saying, Amen. 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 Thank you so much. I told them that we would pray for him tonight as a group, and I believe God is able to intervene and touch that young man. You know, I don't want I I said I was going to go straight into the word, but I'm going to be obedient. Uh as pastors, how many pastors do we have in here? Let me see your hands. Ministers. Let me see your hands. Okay. Uh, we all the same, right? I mean, you know, Yeah, We are always faced with situations that goes beyond our ability. But can I get a witness in here of anybody that God has picked up by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life where you had to stop and did for you what only He could do? Could I could I get you just to testify by saying Amen Hallelujah clap your hands look at punch somebody in the back of the head do something to let me know that you understand what it is to have a loving God come to your rescue. Y'all forget that punching somebody in the back of the head thing. I, that wasn't God. That was me. <laughs> okay. How many's ready? All right. Okay. Sir. No, go ahead. Oh, okay, we're going to hit you in a minute. In the back of the head. (laughs) So now let me pray for me. Would you do that? Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking you again to do what you've done so many times in my life. Lord, I pray that you'll make me aware of your voice, even while I'm speaking. Lord, I'm asking you to say through me the, the words of life, the words of challenge. Let us, let us hear the challenge. Let us receive the challenge. Let us move forward with the challenge that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, will make a difference in the lives of those that we come in contact with. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you thanks. And everybody would say with me, amen. How many of y'all believe the kingdom of God is real? Now, Don't just say that because you think I'm supposed to. How many believe that the kingdom of God is real? One more question along that line. How many in here could testify and say that your life is better because you're in the kingdom of God? That your life has been affected with the kingdom of God? Let me go for another word. How many been infected with the kingdom of God? You know, there's a lot of things out there they say and can infect us. If we're talking about the kingdom of God, come on with it. I'll wear a mask that says I'm infected with the kingdom of God, if that's what it takes. But I believe the kingdom of God is truly, in the time that we're living in, at hand. Now, if the kingdom of God is at hand, that means our life should be different. Different from everybody else whether it's in our mindset, whether it's in our action, whether it's in my heartfelt thoughts, because of the kingdom of God, I should be different. I should be affected. I see a lot of people try to modify their behavior so people would think that they're part of this thing. But can I tell you that when you are affected by the kingdom of God and He is a possessor of your soul, you don't have to modify your behavior. He will modify your behavior. I get a little weary of people that talk about, ooh, that slip." I don't believe, I don't think that. I believe when we are walking according to the kingdom of God that we're going to operate, we're going to move, we're going to be motivated, we're going to be activated, we're going to do things differently than those that are without the influence of the kingdom. So if you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 8 and I pray that they will follow it here on the The screen's with us. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 40, and we're going to read all the way through Luke 9, verse 2. Are y'all ready? Somebody say, Lord, bless your word again tonight. Here we go. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. Am I going to have to preach all of this? I could. But how many is waiting? How many has an anticipation for God, for Jesus? They were all waiting for Him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a a preacher man. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought Him. A nice word for that is begged him or or pleaded with him or, or, or really got with the, I'm looking at you, Jesus, that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue... Of blood, twelve years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, her issue of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, "Master, the multitude throng thee, and the press thee, and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me?" And Jesus said, "Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me." And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee Remember last night we talked about when He touches us, we can be healed. But when we touch Him, we are made whole. And He told her, you have been made whole, go in peace. And while He yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, the daughter, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master." But when Jesus heard it, He answered him saying, Fear not, believe only. Are y'all catching them little commas right there and the, and the, the, the marks right there at the end The fear not? And, and then are you realizing that there is a conversation that's going on right here that's being heard in the heavens? It's not a conversation, so to speak, just between those that are there. But there's a communication going on between the son and the father right now. He said, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him and he said, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Can y'all hear the prophetic tone in his voice? Can you hear the anticipation and the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the saying forth of what's fixing to take place? And when he came into the house... He suffered no man to go in. Y'all all can't go in there. How many knows that you can't let everybody in? Yeah. Save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but she said, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing That she was dead. Y'all, it's so hard for me not to preach on every one of them. I'm telling you, the world is laughing at us right now. But I'm not dead. (laughs) The church is not dead. God's not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. They can laugh if they want to. But there's coming a day of reckoning and it's not very far off. Go ahead. And he put them all out and he took her by the hand and called her saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again and she arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. Y'all pay attention to that last, that meat deal. We're going to talk about it in a minute if I can get there. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Has that always, always freaked y'all out? Why such miraculous things can take place, but don't y'all tell nobody. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them not that they should tell no man what was done. Then He called His twelve disciples together and He gave them power and authority. Help, help me, Lord. I, I, I need some help. I'm, I'm up here revelating. Uh, he gave them power and authority over all devils to cure, all, or to cure diseases. One more. And He sent them to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. May the Spirit of the living God rest on that Word that was read and received tonight. The Holy Spirit, help me to expound. Help me to bring this to, to, to light. Help me to bring it to a point of discussion in our own hearts that we can be challenged by this Word. And everybody said with me, Amen. 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 I want to talk about this whole scene, and I, I've gotten some a lot of things written down here, and I'm going to be glancing down quite a bit and try not to chase any rabbits tonight because I'd like to really leave with, the, with the, the word intact in our hearts and spirits because I believe it's a challenging word. We look and we heard the number 12 a couple of times right there, right? I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about 12 being what it is and the number of government and the number of disciples and all that. Y'all, y'all know that. But Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. She was at the age of puberty. She was at the age of reproduction. She was at the age of uh, about to enter her years of fruitfulness. I want you to catch this. Into her ability to be productive and to reproduce. She's at a very critical age and she's about to die. And she rep- could, Is it possible? Here's where I want you to, to go with me. I would like to reckon her to the next generation of the church. She's not quite old enough yet. She's not quite to her place of reproducing. She's not quite to the place that she's fixing to become um, active, so to speak, on the scene. She was at that age, she was about to reach that critical point in their life, but she's about to die. She represents the next generation for the time being, another generation to manifest the presence of God. Do you realize that there's another generation that's getting ready to step into the place? that's going to be the representation of the church. I'm telling you, I'm not ready to go, and I'm only 64. But if you haven't made provision for the next generation yet, then you're behind the curve on this one. I'm telling you, I don't think that the church has 20 years to work it out. I don't think we have 25 more years before He comes. I believe that we need to be about the next generation and empowering them to be who God's called them to be. So in her ability, she represents that generation, the presence of God. She's about to die. She's at the point of her fruitfulness and she's about to give way. And Jesus is on His way to her. Jesus is on His way. Jairus had already talked to Him. He told Him, my daughter's near death. And Jesus, He he caught it. I'm on my way. I'm coming. It wasn't like a Lazarus deal. He was on his way. You know the story. You know what happens next. In verse 43, the woman, an old woman, you've got the next generation and you've got the old generation. The old woman represents the old mindset of the church. The old woman could be Titled and and labeled the one that has got issues. Y'all see me coming, don't you? And here's this woman with this issue of blood for 12 years, and she spent everything she had. She grew worse. We tried everything. We've tried smoke. We've tried lights. We've tried to, to, to set up a coffee bar. We, we've tried, to, we've tried to, to teach and preach stuff that don't make anybody make a decision. We've tried to get along, go along to get along. We've tried it all. We come, we sing, we pray. We do everything that we know to do. But my brother said it. we still have issues. We've still got that thing. So, so she touched Jesus. Now watch this. She she had tried everything she knew to do. But somewhere or another inside of her. I'm telling you, we when we get to the end of our trying, He's always going to be standing there in His finished work of Calvary for us to come along beside Him and tap into who He is. So, she touched him. Now watch this. Don't y'all love his his reaction? Who touched me? Is it possible that that's as much of an exclamation as it is a question? I believe with all my heart, I'm used to a lapel I'm from Louisiana. I'm not necessarily a Cajun, but I don't know what I mean. Is it possible that the church, no matter how far away from the mark we can get, that all it takes is the recognition that there's a man. There's still one that is able Without even His permission, all it takes is the pursuit. I believe with all my heart by the Spirit of God, when He looks and He finds a people that are ready to pursue Him, that will keep worshiping whenever we're normally stopped, that are still staying in the house when the Word's going forth, That will continue to give and give and give. Spend all that you have. I believe when that person, when that church, when that entity touches him, that virtue will flow out of him just like it did to her. And he will say, who touched me? I don't think he was wondering about who touched me. I think he said, okay, who's drawing from me now? I want to be that person that draws out of him the attention that he's looking for. I want to be the pastor that will say, I will draw out of him. I want to be that man to where he says, Who touched me? Do you notice that she doesn't have a name? The Scripture never named her. Could it be because she represents every church? She represents the bride of Christ? She represents that church that one day is going to be presented to Him without spot or wrinkle. If y'all don't believe that, I tell you, I got excited about this last night. I was just thinking about how many knows where the Scripture's at in Jude where it said, He is able to present you faultless. Only He can do that. He's the only one. So Get this whole picture. Here's a man that's really important. He's in a crisis. His daughter's dying. He's leading Jesus to his house so he can get his daughter healed. And the last thing we need when we've got Jesus coming our direction is some old woman that's got some issues that she's had for years and years and years to get up in the front of the miracle that I need. How many of y'all get a little bit cornal whenever you, you've you been praying for something, you've been just waiting on God for something, and then all of a sudden some newcomer shows up, some Johnny come lately off the street that's been hooked on drugs for God knows how long, and they walk up in there and get your miracle? that make you want to cuss a little bit, won't it? Y'all, I'm picking. Y'all do realize that, don't you? But are we not like that sometimes? Have we ever been jealous of something we see God doing for somebody else? You see, I used to be that man that I'd look around and see and hear uh, pastors talking about, God gave me $100,000. God gave me an airplane. God did this. God gave me this building. God did How many of y'all would be honest enough with Wes Courtney right now that to, to realize and say, I have taken issue with God over some of that a little bit in my own life? God, why can't you do that for me? And I used to be the world's worst. And one day, I asked God the question. I said, God, look at him. Why are you why what what are you why are you giving him all that stuff and, and why aren't you giving me? I'm I'm praying, I'm believing, I I'm, I'm 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 not a sinner, so to speak. Not not wise you can notice anyway. Yeah, that's how we think. And the Holy Spirit just so real settled in on me and said, Well, you need to find out what they're doing that you're not. So I started to investigate. I started to look around and I started to ask serious questions. Well, tell me how that come about. And it start out, well, you know, I was down to, we, we didn't have any money in the bank and there was a need that come up for somebody else and I just met that need. And the next thing I know, it came back to me running over, pushed down, shaking together. And so I realized that I was on to something. How many of y'all have ever had a big idea and you realize that the Word of God is true? And so I started doing it. So the Lord challenged me to start sowing into other pastors' ministries. We paved other churches' parking lots. I sent Jensen Franklin quite a bit of money, and he probably don't need it. But I was sowing into something bigger than myself that was, was releasing word in me. I used to listen, to and I still do, to Jensen all the time. And I feed from him. I listen to him. I, I, I thank God for him. And so I said, well, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm eating his food. Let me, get, let me pay for some of this. And y'all, this cycle started in our life. And before long, I had, I had a man, y'all indulge me just a second. I had a man, uh, we, we needed a youth building, and uh, we had a building in, up front, and it needed to be completely renovated. So my son and I were talking about it, and we figured out it was going to cost us around $250,000 to do what we wanted to do. So I, I told him, I said, well, let's pull the trigger. So I got with the, with our board. They want I've got a wonderful board. I got with our board, and they said, Pastor, whatever's in your heart, go ahead and do it. So I thought, okay. Well, what's the next step? The next day, a man called me. He said, Pastor, you got a few minutes? I need to talk to you. I said, sure. So he comes by my office. He looks at me. He said, Walk me in this building. I walked in there. Well, what are y'all looking at? So we was telling him all about it. You know, like this and this. We're gonna do this. and We'd like to do that. And this, gonna, you know. He called me back that afternoon. He said, I want to do it. And I said, okay, what does that mean? You want to do it? Like like, 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 like you want to clap when I say we're doing it? Or, or do you want to, what, what do you mean? He said, I want to do it. I said, okay, are we talking about paying? He said, pastor, I want to do it. If I tell you I'll do it, give me the plans, I'll do it. And $275,000 later, he walked out with everything done, didn't cost the church one thin dime. Now, you need to clap for that. And I won't bore you with the other 15 kind of stories like that. But I'm here to tell you that when we place a proper demand on the Holy Spirit, According to the word of God, he will fulfill his word. He will. Okay, let me get back to my, let me get back to my rat killing here. So, so the last thing you need is for somebody else to get your attention. You just need to figure out what they're doing and, and go for it yourself. This is interesting to me that one old woman who could not produce anymore. I'm fixing it. y'all, y'all sent your seat belts up. I'm fixing to come at you live and in color for a few minutes. Here's one old woman that can't produce anymore. She's got issues going on. She's stuck in her cycle. I'm not trying to be gross here. I'm fixing to make a valid point. Is it possible? that the church has gotten stuck in a cycle. And we can be subject to everything that the cycle brings. It was separated. It was ridiculed. It was shunned. It was determined unclean, ineffective. It drained the life out of it. I'm real uncomfortable right now. I kind of got a feeling I'm in some deep water and, and I'm hitting some roots. I believe that the church experiences times of mercy and grace. I believe the church experiences some highs and some victories. But I don't see the church walking in the apostolic power that God has ordained for us to walk in. If He gave them the command to go and do as I do, then there's a lot being left on the table. And we can't blame it on the next generation anymore. It's time for us as a church to realize that we are still bleeding over the some of the same issues that we've been bleeding over for a hundred years. We are divided in many cases. Pastor, that's not a positive message. I'm just telling you. I, I'm, I'm unloading this and I might not ever get to come back to Indiana, Indiana again but I'm not going to leave here with a guilty conscience. Y'all tell me. And My brother wrote a book on unity, and he's starting to see some, some, uh, some results of it. But y'all tell me what was the last major thing that brought division in the church. Come on, don't be scared. Y'all are going to make me say it, aren't you? COVID? Democrats, Republicans. How we feel about open borders. How we feel about Capucci or whatever his name is. And I'm not, I'm not coming down on the man. I'm just saying he's changed his mind so much he probably would answer to anything. I'm just saying Whether all that's right, wrong, or indifferent, it has brought a division in the house of God. The whole color issue. The woke movement. I could stand here and go on and on and on about things that are obvious to us, but what about inside the house of God? What about the unity among brothers that claim to love one another? We too worried about opinions. We too worried about titles. We're too worried about what I call myself or what you call me. A friend of mine that's a great pastor. He made an illustration come real to me one time. He said, "You know, Wes. He said, I don't know if you've ever been in a foxhole or not, or in a place, a forward place of battle. He said, but I, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when you get pinned down by enemy gunfire, he said, and there's four or five people around in that foxhole with you. He said, you don't care what color they are. You don't care what religion they are. You don't care by what whose name God has called to them." You got one question on your mind. Can you shoot? Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, I know we got some differences, but can you shoot? I'm telling you, I'm declaring in the name of Jesus that I believe the next move we're going to see come to the house of God is unity in God's house. I believe with all my heart that the last day anointing is going to be characterized by an uncommon unity. Something that's going to get the world's attention. You say, well pastor, what's that going to take? I don't know, 2001 we got together. When they bombed the World Trade Centers with our own airplanes. We got together then. I believe God was wanting to do something supernatural then. He wanted to bring the church to a place of power again and unfortunately what he got was patriotism. There's nothing wrong with patriotism. I'm a patriot. I'm like Merle Haggard. You start talking about my country, you walking on the fighting side of me. I'm a patriot. But when it comes to God, He's the only one that's worthy of all praise and glory. He's the only one in the book of Revelation that was able to open. We've got to lose the common thought about who he is and be here. Let him be the deity of who he really is. So let's go to this what if for just a moment, and I'm going to be done. What if the older woman can represent the church? What if this little girl can represent the next generation? What if and could it be that the next generation is near death? Have you ever seen an onslaught from hell for our children that's going on now? They're not after us anymore, the devil's after our seed. He's not worried about this this man up here hollering at you right now. He's worried about the next generation that's going to put on the gospel of Jesus Christ, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and have a boldness about them that's going to cause him to stand in the face of the enemy and say, not so. And we can't afford to let the issues of our day Keep us from nurturing the next generation that's going to stand in the face of evil. And they need to be taught. They need to be supported. They need to be brought on and and nurtured by the church. Uh, We need to put our old silliness down. It don't matter if I don't like some of the songs we sing. His presence doesn't ride on our preference. I think I'll say that again. I don't think I've ever said that before. His presence does not regard our preference. We was laughing about the shirt and suit and tie thing. I actually had two ladies out of our church come up to me and say, Pastor, you preach better when you have a tie on. You know what my wife said? Well, she don't pay no attention to her. She's just trying to get close to you. That's how women think. I was considering getting me a tie. Could it be that if we raise up the next generation... It's impossible to raise up the next generation and give them the same old church. Some of us are still bleeding to death. Some of us are fighting over old things that don't matter anymore. Uh, We still worrying about competition and who can preach better. Oh, if our hair's long, short, seeker-sensitive, full gospel, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal.
1: <laughs>
0: we have a revival going on in Revival Temple right now. Last two weeks ago, we baptized 18 new converts. Now we're not trading church people. The week, the month before that, we baptized 13 and, and we've just been doing that. The revival started in our youth group. And on one Wednesday, we, it's the first Wednesday night of the month, all the church comes together. And we've watched a phenomenal thing happen that just breaks our heart. Our older saints have quit coming on First Wednesday because they're they scared of them babies. We, you have 150 plus young people up there. What's that church line clap? The church clap? Y'all, y'all, you know, they do all this and clap and pop their lead and they turn around and all that. Those old people up there. I get stuff in the boxes and stuff. Pastor, what you going to do about it? They had a, what, that one kid had a hat on. Pastor, those kids shouldn't be wearing, wearing shorts or pants in church. And I listened at enough of that. And finally I said, let me tell y'all something. I said, I would rather have 150 of them up there with a baseball cap on their head, praising God, doing the church clap, bringing their friends from school. Y'all, our whole baseball team got saved. And then the coach started coming. And you going to be worried about a hat? How about we just let God worry about the hat? You say, well, how's, the, how's this working out? Well, let me tell you how it's working out. These kids are going home they're not acting like they used to. So their parents are coming in. I want to know what's going on. Well, come on in. We're going to show you. We got people coming in and laying drugs, bottles of drugs on the altar and, and, and confessing stuff. And, and, and we, get, we have people that was living in a homosexual lifestyle that's done got saved and, and, and do, living right. and Y'all... y'all Y'all, we got to quit bleeding over all that old religious stuff and realize that God's going to touch them the way He's going to touch them. Bring them on in. If anybody starts blaspheming the Holy Ghost, I'll pop them in the back of the head. Can I keep going? So he was being mobbed by the crowd, but he was on a mission. I'm telling you that he can't get too preoccupied to heal the church. The church just has to press in till we touch him. I want the church to realize, Melissa, if somebody would come, I want the church to realize that the healing's going to come when the church presses in. When we continue to press in, when we continue to, to defy even things that we've been told by our government and stuff like that. You know, I, I, Pastor Jeff and I were talking uh, yesterday, I think it was, and, and somehow or another we got on the subject again of of the church being shut down. You remember how that happened here a year or so ago? And we just both determined that it ain't going to happen no more. Y'all might have to come see us, but how, may, how many How How many? many's with that? And... And and you know, I haven't told my church that because I don't I I believe God's gonna intervene in such a way. But I know he's busy and I know he's got lots to do, and a lot of things are summons in his attention. But can I tell you that he's never too busy to tend to his bride. He'll never get too busy that He can't hear our cry. He'll never get too busy, y'all, to say this is more important than that. I believe, I'm going to cut through that. I've got probably 10 more pages of notes, but I'm going to cut through all that and just get to the end of this thing. There's a lot to be said. But I believe with all my heart, it's all right if I come down there. I believe with all my heart that this scenario that we read about in the Bible has been launched in the now. I believe that the church is coming to a place of reckoning. A place of understanding. I believe with all my heart that the things that the enemy meant to take Joseph out with was the very things that God used to bring Joseph in. Likewise with the church, the things that the enemy is trying to destroy, the foundation and the fundamental things of church are going to be the very thing that God's going to say, No, sir. Because this church, my church, my bride, it was built on the revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And even the gates of hell Even your government, even everything that you can imagine that can come against her is not going to prevail. I believe with all my heart, just like Jesus realized that virtue had gone out of him that the church is going to finally cough up our nerve and slide up behind Him through the press, touch the hem of His garment, and be revealed and healed and and replaced and and set, set back in order again so that the next generation won't have to deal with the same old issues, but we will walk in the newness of life like He's always intended for us to walk. I can tell you that God's not coming back. He's not sending His Son back for a weak church, barely making it in. We're going to come in with grace. We're going to come in with power. We're going to come in with an ability to touch the world. And it's up to pastors and those that stand beside pastors. Can I talk to you for a minute? If you're in this house and you're not a pastor, but you stand behind your pastor, you stand beside your pastor, you do whatever you can do for your pastor because he's been given an assignment to make a church ready to walk past the press. to walk past and through pandemics. Somehow or another, we've got to be able to walk past our fear. And I want to declare this right now. I'm speaking in a prophetic tone that faith rises up. Fear leaves out. And the peace of God will come in. Faith rises up. Bondage leaves out. And the freedom of the Spirit of God will come in. Come into what? Whatever we say it towards. I'm telling you, the Democrats, the Republicans, all of that, all all of that, one day is going to be subject to a king. One day, it's going to be subject to a touched church. Why don't you look at somebody and say, I I think he's touched? How many wants to be touched tonight by a supernatural spirit of God that will cause the path of your life to change? She was never the same again Now could it be that the reason that Jesus stopped in the in the first place when this little woman touched him Could it be that he knew that it would do no good or no it wouldn't avail anything to raise up a little girl that's dying and send her back under the same Let me go back to what he said. Your faith has made you whole. He's not coming back for a partial powered church. I feel like I've done said this three times, but can I say it again? He's coming back for a victorious church. And I believe that is going to depend on how diligent we are about touching him. That we can continue on, pastor our church. I've got a church that thinks I'm all that and a bag of chips. They love me. I wish, brother Chris. The, the biker pastor was here tonight because we was up here serving with them a couple of weeks ago and he told me, he said, Brother Wes, after you left and you went to the hotel room and didn't sleep on the floor with the rest of us, he said, I said something to them about, boy, your pastor sure hung you out. He said, and you had two of your ladies turned around and stood toe-to-toe with me and said, that's my pastor and don't you say that again. He said, I wasn't expecting that. I said, well, you know what? I thank God that the church is coming alive. That there are some people that's going to stand beside the pastor. Stand beside his wife. They're going to help them. They're not going to hurt them. They're not going to tear them down. And they're going to be part of this move that's coming. I believe it's coming. I believe we have a soon coming king. And we don't have 20 years to get it right. We've got to serve Him now. You're young. You're the next generation. Don't let nothing. Don't let nothing get in your way. I am done. I've had fun. I hope you've enjoyed it too. If the church goes forward, power It's going to depend on you. <laughs> Will you touch it? Will you push your way through? Will you stand on the outside of status quo? I've asked Brother Howard to share something with you. He shared this today in our men's thing, and it set me on fire. Matter of fact, I got mad a little bit, and I said, God, why can't I think of stuff like that? Brother Howard, would you come? And so you know, I asked permission. I asked permission for this to take place.
2: Hallelujah. Can we give the man of God a hand? That's a powerful word tonight hallelujah I, I want you to know that i believe we're living in the greatest hour on planet earth i know it don't look good around us but god has trusted us with this moment god has trusted us I, I, when, when all that stuff was going on i was thinking my god i wish i wasn't a leader in the middle of this and then god said no 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 i've ador- ordained you for this moment we live in this moment we're not here to survive we're here to thrive and if we ain't careful we use our faith only to survive." But when you read Hebrews 11, the writer gave us some good illustrations on how people lived in faith. And God took me back to Hebrews chapter 11. And I began to listen to it just, I mean, over and over again. And all of a sudden I found myself, some things would jump out at me, praise God. And the Bible says this, as the writer was writing, he tells all the way down to the story, about 20 stories of faith, including Rahab the harlot. And when he gets done, the writer said these words, hallelujah, in 32, Hebrews eleven thirty-two, 32. He said, what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms through faith subdued kingdoms we're trying to subdue electric bills we're trying to subdue mass. we're trying to subdue what the governor is saying or the government is saying but children of the most high we are a people of faith you used your faith pulled you up out of hell put your name in the Lamb book of life glory to God and now we are in the kingdom for such a time as this Praise God, and we will subdue the kingdom of this world. There's a new king in town. The devil lost the battle, and we win, and we're not done. Praise God. Don't matter how old you are, or how young you are, faith subdues kingdoms. We're not rolling over and playing dead. We're not giving up on America. The hope of the America is you and I and finding our way to our prayer closets and talk to the King. I'm telling you folks, we're in a good hour. Pastor, we're in a good moment. God's been good to you. He's been good to this house. But His plans are going to blow your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And right now, if you told your plans to all your people, it would blow their mind. we got to quit with small thinking small God mentality one more thing and I'll quit we are children of the most high God and right before this a few verses back the Bible says the writer of Hebrews said And Sarah judged God. Now, I want to say something, and don't get ahead of me. That's King James. And what he said was, it's time for you to judge God. Now, wait a minute before you throw rocks. The word judged means she counted him faithful. Well, The Old Testament ain't kind to Sarah. But the writer in Hebrews said, this woman... She believed the God that spoke. We're trying to believe something. But when you know the God and you know the identity of God, when you know the God that cannot lie, the Bible said every man is a liar, but God cannot lie. I'm not trying to believe somebody that makes stuff up. When God said it, things are happening, praise God. You, sir, you, ma'am, All through this room, leaders, we are the hope of America. I don't mean we're the it without God, but how we have faith in God, turn it from survival to revival, and you'll see your needs being met as you seek first the kingdom of God. Amen.
1: It's too hot for me, man. I ain't taking that. (laughs) Woo! Come on, give God some praise in this place. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah! Come on, praise Him right like you love Him. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have spoken unto you this night through my messenger saith the Lord my word will not come back void I say I say unto you my word is true for I am the truth saith the Lord receive this and allow me to change you saith the Lord doth not my word say I will take you from glory to glory I say unto you, you cannot be stuck in one place, saith the Lord, for there is glory ahead of you, and there is glory behind you, saith the Lord. For yea, doth not my word say that my glory shall arise? Yea, my glory is arising right now upon thee. Let my light shine upon thee, saith the Lord, and go forth and let the world see my light, saith the Lord. For this is not a time for depression or oppression, saith the Lord. This is a time to prepare for jubilee, saith God. For I have called you, for this time, saith the Lord, take not your life for granted and think I am nobody or nothing, but I created you not only to be my child, but to be my leader, saith the Lord, that ye shall subdue kingdom, as my word said. Kingdoms, 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 hear ye the word of the Lord for that that is needed for preparation. I have already given it unto you, saith the Lord. And for that that is needed to sustain you, I have already given it to you, saith the Lord. For I have given you my word, and my word shall stand when worlds fall, saith the Lord. My word is that that brings creation, and I have created you for such a time as this to rise up and be encouraged, saith the Lord, and put discouragement behind you, and know and be comforted that I, the Lord God, am with you. Somebody praise Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Glory to God! All I can say is I feel sorry for those that had to leave before tonight because that was a powerful word from God tonight. I want to tell you some of the best meetings I've ever been in is when half the people went home. When I pastored on Sunday night, you know, we'd have a bigger crowd Sunday night than I had on Sunday morning. But for some reason or another, I knew I had to dismiss those that weren't really ready to have a move. And I'd say, nah, I understand some of you have obligations and you have to leave. We fully understand that you're dismissed, but slip out quietly because those that want to stay, we're going to have a move of God. And when those people that didn't want to stay left and that door closed, I called it the afterglow. God would move in such a way because God is looking for a people that will give him time because time is life. You're giving him your life and when you'll stay that extra time, God will give you extra blessing. How many want extra blessing? I want every one of you preachers and leaders just to come up here. Let's get together before we leave closer. Just closer. Thank you, Wes, for a powerful word from the Lord. I love you and appreciate you. That that brother Howard, I tell you what, he better watch out. He'll get that Western Kentucky revival all over us up here in Indiana. Amen. That was just powerful. Thank you for seeking the face of God and hearing from God. Amen. Just, just step on up close. Don't be afraid. I did brush my teeth tonight. Come on up close. Come on. Step up a little bit, y'all make room for others won't come in. Pastor's going to come and dismiss us in a few minutes, but we're going to give God an opportunity to love on us a minute. Is that all right? Before we allow that time to take place, the Holy Spirit just checked me and said, now's the time to pray for Murray Galloway's brother. Most of you know Murray. Murray had to go home early because his wife was sick. But how many know sometimes you think you're doing something for one reason, but later you find out that it was really for another reason? When he got home, he received a phone call that his brother was in a motorcycle accident. And his brother has several broken bones. He has road burn down one side of his body. And there was other things, too, that were mentioned that that needed to be taken care of. And, and Murray said, please pray for my brother. So brother West, would you lead us in prayer?
0: Nobody understands a toad that's been run over by a wagon wheel like a toad that's been run over by a wagon wheel. I know what a little bit of that's about. spent seven days in the hospital myself because of a bike accident. It's the spirit of the living God. that thing that I promised you that I would do from that day forward I I activate right now our confidence is in you Lord I pray that you'll go to him wherever he is right now and Father you can relieve him of pain of the suffering and Father I pray that Life will not be threatened. But somehow, some way, your name will be brought up, lifted up, and somebody will see the wonderful Jesus that everybody in this room knows. So, what's his name, Brother Mason? Don't, don't know. We're going to call him Brother Galloway. Lord, I pray for Brother Galloway right now. That you would begin the healing process reverse every bit of damage let the regeneration of tissue skin bones let them begin to to knit and father most of all spare him of the agony and the pain that comes with that type of injury and we're going to give you praise we're going
1: to give you all the glory In your name. Call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor's going to come back and dismiss us in a minute. Thank you again, Pastor, for you and your church being so hospitable to us and loving us. Thank you, every one of you that are here. We look forward to seeing you in other meetings, not just Barnabas meetings, but other meetings. We look forward for you showing up in the two meetings that we shared with you we're going to have next year. I believe God's going to do something great. One thing that really touched me as a young boy being raised in church is how those people loved one another. And so before we leave, I just want us to love on one another. Is that all right? And, and I'm not dismissing you because Pastor's going to come and do that in just a minute. But sisters... Could you just get with the other sisters, and brothers with the other brothers, and let's just let's just love on one another. Hallelujah.
0: Could I have your attention, please, for just a moment? The Lord just spoke to my heart something for this young, young man right here. And uh, make sure that the recording's rolling so he can reference this at some other time. The Lord said to me that there's getting ready to come out of you a roar like you've never heard before. You've had vision. You have imagined. You have asked. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to me right now and telling me to tell you that you are to prepare yourself for a mighty roar that's coming out of you. This roar will not only be about you and about the Lord, but it's going to be about this generation that you heard talked about tonight. You are going to be the healing bomb, and it's going to come from your uh, out up out of your spirit I heard the Lord say it's time for the young lions to roar I see you making your ascent coming to the place that your voice will be heard you're coming to the place in a season and time that you've been preparing yourself for all of your adult life or or when I say that, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying from the time you become conscious of me that you have set your heart towards me and from the day that you've set your heart towards me get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready it's going to explode within you and it's going to come out it's going to come out and it's not going to be something that you've prepared But it's going to be the Spirit of the Lord. It's going to be out of the heart of God. It's going to come out of the heart of God into your heart. And out of your heart is going to come a roar. It's not going to be a a, thus saith the Lord. It's going to be thus saith the Lord. And you are going to command the attention of those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying To the church.
1: Praise God! Praise God! Praise God!
3: Praise Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! How many believes that word tonight? Amen. I believe that's a symbolic word for a generation. Amen. i Amen. I feel unctioned to do one more thing before we bring this to an end tonight if you're under 30 years old and you're in ministry I want you to come right now right now Austin I know Madison I know Kyla Jade, Sierra missing any? TJ? Slide up just a little bit right there. Come right on over here. This is a generation that has been keep coming. The enemy's doing everything in his power. keep them from having an intimate encounter with a man named Jesus. Yes, sir. You you obey the Lord.
0: This is going to sound as strange as anything I guess I've ever done in my life. But I feel like on behalf of my generation, we owe you an apology for being hung up in things that God never intends for us to hang up in. And I hope I'm not being too presumptuous to anybody else in this room that's of my generation or older. But I want to clear the the slate I want to be the example. I want to be like Paul. How many wants to be like Paul when he said to, to the younger ones, he said, "Follow me, as I follow Christ." I don't want you following my hangups. I don't need you to follow my false ideas or my my preconceived conditions that I think God must move. I get. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to release. And and I hate this. I hate. I, that's not good language. I I I. I, I yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to to sound like that. We're always uh, projecting something in the future because we serve a God of right now faith, right right now. And I believe it can fall on you right now. I believe a mind changing, heart rendering, spirit of God that will absolutely arrest you in your tracks, hold you accountable to the living God. And cause you to walk with power and authority. Did y'all notice? Did y'all notice uh, up there tonight that it came that he said he was in power and authority? Well, gonna gonna the, the the word power is interpreted from two different words in the Greek. One one word is exousia, which means spoken. God-given authority—you have authority over something. It's like—it's like a police officer; his badge represents an authority. Exusia, you have authority. You have the right to uh, to exercise this. But that piece on his side—that word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite. I believe that God is is equipping the generation now with both authority to speak and the power to deliver it. The power to see it come to pass. The power to stand in the face of of other authorities that are less than God's authority in your life. And in the name of Jesus, first of all, may you receive the authority to stand on the Word of God with with a conviction that will move It will move other powers that would stand in the place of God. And may you have the dunamis. Can you imagine when you get fired up enough that the devil has to reckon with you? I want you to come to the place that when you wake up in the morning, the devil says, they're awake again. They're awake again. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I pray that whenever I die, that hell will rejoice because I'm no longer on the scene. How many of y'all want to be that man? Y'all want to be that person that's, a, that's powerful, not subject to somebody else's thought, dictation, rules that are ungodly.
1: I'm not trying to prolong this, but I do want to follow the Spirit. I I, I want to speak into your lives just for a moment and say what came to my, my heart from the Lord. The Lord said, the generation that you've been raised up in under people like us, many have taught you that the move of the Spirit was noise. The louder you are, the more anointed you are. That's not true. It's been a generation that knew how to praise with high praise, but doesn't know how to worship in the Spirit. But God's getting ready to raise up your generation to worship. And you're going to start out with some praise and thanksgiving, but you're going to end up in deeper worship than you've ever experienced before. For you see, it's when you enter into the presence of God praise is when God enters your presence but when you enter into his presence that's worship you know who's worthy then it's not you it's him
0: one statement volume and velocity does not equal anointing how fast you sing how loud you sing does not equal anointing but those who touch the God will bring forth the deliverance and the praise put on the garment of praise for what spirit of heaviness lift up your voice to God praying in the spirit and with understanding
1: amen even you yourselves don't don't you see what I'm talking about already you've been in enough services yourself that man can can manipulate through emotionalism but you guys are hearing a word right now that your generation needs and you can take it to some of the others and you can get deeper and when worship comes it's not about us you you know it's not about manipulation or emotionalism it's about just falling in the presence of God and God begins to do deeper things when we get into that place And and I feel like the Lord told me that's been lost in our generation and Somehow we twisted back and got out in the outer court and started burning the flesh and, and doing high praise again instead of getting into Holy of Holies and worshiping the Lord. But the Lord's getting ready to raise up your generation as the last generation that will worship Him because His presence is not only going to come to the church here on earth, His presence is going to revealed in such a way that He's going to catch us up off of this earth. Amen? So I just, I just say let the Lord, let the Lord speak to you. And I know a lot's been said tonight, but the Holy Spirit has a way of helping us digest into the depths of our spirit. And I just want to say, I love you. Every single one of you, I know what's in front of you. If you'll just keep on following God, I saw that a long time ago. And it's going to be good. And somehow God got you in the place to work with somebody that's teaching you what I'm talking about. And you're hearing that. And you're going to be a life changer. You both are. I sense this so much in, in my spirit. I just want to say again, I love you. I love you. These men and women of God, they love you. Just let the Spirit lead you. Because what God has for you is going to be so awesome. I just hope the Lord will let me be around here long enough to see some of it. How I many of you brothers and sisters feel like that too? We're already seeing changes, but to see what God really has for them is going to be
3: awesome. Here's all I want to do. I want to exhort them just for a moment. You all are connected to enough old that you understand what I'm getting ready to say. Some of you are gauging your future based on how others before you have moved. But the working of the Holy Ghost that's taking place in your life that is causing this unsettledness is not to mold you and make you into fathers or grandfathers that was before you. That you're getting ready to be molded and developed into a latter-day anointing. And you are going to be equipped by the Holy Ghost and you are going to move differently we no longer fight wars like we did in the natural in World War one because of the increase in technology and because of the advancements that man has made we are no longer fighting in the spirit how others fall it's going to look different we still have some key things we use prayer and the Holy Ghost and those things but the but but the Tactics, the, the, the things that has been equipped and built in the heavenly realm is going to be different. You're going to be more stealthy, if I could say it that way. You're getting ready to be equipped like no other generation, and that means this. You're going to sound differently. You're going to flow differently. You're probably not going to run the back of the pews like my daddy did, okay? But you're going to be so much more powerful. Not taking anything away from that. But they built to the 10th floor. But now you're getting ready to operate on the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th floor because we're getting ready to exit this thing.